All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Special welcome to you if you're new. Good to see you again if you're not. Um, if you're new, I see a few new people here. If you're new, there's uh, Connect Cards in our pew. Um, if you'd like to find out any information about our church or solicit a prayer request or anything like that, I'd like to get to know you. Um, tell you who we are. Um, but for now, Lord Jesus, help us to hear who you are and help us to understand that which uh, you have for us to speak today through your word. Um, we pray thanking you for the opportunity to gather, to hear, to have fellowship, to, to break bread, grow in community, to hear the word. May it be sanctified in us as we hear. May we be brought from one glory to the next, savoring where we're at as long as we're there with you. And uh, may you be glorified in your bride today as we move forward and praise your holy name. And it's for your holy name we pray. Amen. Stand with us. I've tried in vain a thousand ways my fears to quell, my hopes to raise, but said is ever only Jesus you died you Trade my treasure. It's all my 
All right, well, have a seat, everyone. It is really good to see everybody today, and it's nice to see uh, things perking back up in the Lord's church, and it's nice to see people who are taking what's happening out there and uh, not letting it get to you to the point where it drives a wedge between yourself and God's people and the Lord himself, and uh, you're here, and we are here together and God's got work for us to do. So we're going to just uh, tend to it. Um, I want to just start out by uh, just uh, welcoming our friends online and also mentioning uh, real quickly that uh, we have these Lent devotional guides we've been putting together. Hopefully you guys have been going through these. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, we have the last, or not the last, um, we have the next um, installment for, that, will, that will begin a uh, week after today. Uh, so we're getting at in front of it a week. That way, if you're not able to be here next week, you can pick one up for uh, the week of uh, whatever that is. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully, are you, guys, are you guys finding this helpful? Okay, good. Um, I'm, I'm trying to write it in between everything else, and I'm hoping that it's honoring uh, what the Lord is doing in First Christian Church uh, post-quarantine. And a lot of the things that are happening in the devotional are actually the fruit of gatherings that the elders had uh, quite a number of times discussing of, uh, the passage of Scripture that, uh, that we've been discussing. The reason why these particular ones are so important, I believe, is because they define what the church is supposed to be about. And if there's ever been a confusing moment about what life is supposed to be about, that's certainly one, the one that you and I are living in. Uh, and the last thing we want is confusion regarding what the church is supposed to be doing in the midst of everything that's happening that's so chaotic. So we've, we've taken some time and we're looking at the Lord's Prayer 
Uh, so if you've been reading along, you've read that. And if you haven't picked up a Lent devotional, they are free. And we have all three uh, installments there. And it's never too late to just pick up and uh, just start at the beginning. Um, the Lord, he will not make that an issue. He will be actually pretty happy, even though you're, you're, you're not necessarily in sync with Lent exactly. I don't think he cares. I think he just wants us to be in that space where we as a church can be the church for the world that is now very, well, broken. <laughs> Logistically, uh, non-functional. Uh, what's another word we can use? Uh, stress to the max. Um, polarized. Uh, let's find other good adjectives to describe what we see out there. But that doesn't have to be the case here. And what we've wanted to do, hopefully, is just be aligned for the moment that we're in by going through the Lord's Prayer, Acts 2, Ephesians 4, and uh, we're going to be going through Holy Week uh, in a way where we're observing the things that happened during Jesus' life in that last week. So we're going to we're going to push the we're going to we're going to go from uh, sort of talking about the church to what led up to the church happening in the life of Jesus in that last week. So what I'm what what I'm hoping that we can do as a church, which I think we can is uh, read the Lent devotional that week, and then we will have a Monday, Thursday service where we are here praying, taking the Lord's Supper together, and just remembering what Jesus did. And then we're going to meet again on Good Friday because that moment that Jesus expired on the cross was an epic moment, profoundly changing everything, but it was an extremely dark moment. And in order to, to be able to celebrate the phrase, he is risen, we need the backdrop of that drama that Jesus went through to appreciate why that phrase means so much. And so we'd like for everybody to be a part of that as well as a church together. Uh, so it's a lot to ask, but the moment that we're in is requiring a lot of the church. And we want to be found uh, faithful and obedient and hopefully helpful to the situation around us. So that's the sermon inside the sermon that you're going to get in a minute. Well, let's look at uh, prayer concerns that uh, we may have here. I got a couple of them. Uh, Rod mentioned to me this morning that uh, his, uh, the owner of his company, his son, uh, who also worked for the company, uh, died very suddenly and unexpectedly uh, for reasons that they don't, they don't really know. So he was 28. So I want to pray for the family of Des McDonald. Um, I know that uh, you're taking work off tomorrow to have a memorial service for him, but uh, work can be like a family sometimes, and we want to keep uh, uh, your, uh, your people lifted up. I also want to pray for Gladys Vota, uh, her daughter Jill, who's had a very long struggle with MS, uh, passed away this week. So be praying for Gladys and Artie. Um, they uh, will be having the service uh, this evening at the Catholic Church in New Middletown. Uh, so keep them lifted up. And uh, Brian is in Myrtle Beach right now, enjoying horrible weather. It's probably sunny there. Can you believe it? Thank goodness we have sort of like these clouds here, right? If only we had had some ice to come in on, then that would have just been great. Well, so they're suffering while we're enjoying the moment of bliss once more. So, uh, but glad he could get away. 
Um, it's good to have a little bit of a Sabbath rest in the middle of all of it. Uh, but let's find out if there's any prayer concerns with you guys, anything that we have that um, we can lift up. Oh, I, I, got a, I have a good one for you. Um, Rob Coffey came home, and he is doing really well. He showed up in my office. He was actually hiding from Karen uh, because she has a to-do list that's uh, sort of like an overdue to-do list. And he's just like, can I just sit in here for a minute? I said, well, how are you feeling, Rob? He said, unfortunately, the doctor said my heart's 100%, which, uh, uh, you know, good, good for him, but, you know, the honeydew list is like, I just said, I, I, I'll pray for you. So, very happy about that. Um, okay, so that's some things we're celebrating. We have some announcements coming up at the end of the service that, who should do announcements today? Rachel. All right. So sermon will be about 15 minutes today, folks. Um, okay. So, okay. All right. Shh, not your turn. Okay. Um, so who, uh, who has prayer concerns today? Rachel? For my neck, I go get my results of my MRI this week. So. Okay. Rachel has, um, has been battling with uh, some neck issues. You had surgery once, and you're hoping you don't have to have that again. Uh, so we want to keep you lifted up in our prayers for uh, that matter that you've had going on with your, your spine. Okay. Anyone else? Hey, what's up? I have to have six more chemo Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have you stand up. I know you don't want to do this, but I want you to stand up, okay? Please. And I, got, I want you guys to take a look at our friend and sister in the Lord, okay? We need, she needs your prayers. She has bladder cancer. It's been a battle, and it's been awfully disruptive. And uh, just remember her when you pray this week, okay? Six we more, we six more uh, chemos, which is a lot. And we, we, birthday tomorrow, too. Birthday tomorrow. Oh, man. Hank's like, I wish I didn't come to church today. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure he said a lot of things in the past, too, right? Yeah. Well, Peg, happy birthday. Okay. All right, Kathy? Okay. All right. Okay, Kathy. Uh, Kathy's uh, cousin Mary passed away, so um, pray for uh, uh, Kathy Martin's family. Okay. Terry. Okay. Did you, you went down there, right? Yeah. Okay, you know how I know? There's still like a radiance from that, that, that's the sun down there in the Dominican. Oh, no, that's the Lord, that's the Lord. So you guys have, you'll have to report what, how it went. Okay, all right. Um, so pray for Steel City Mission as well as they return. Uh, yeah, in the back, Pat? Yeah, my nephew, Doug McDonald. Okay. Okay. 
Oh my, okay. We praying for them. Anyone else? All right. I, I got one back there. Chris, oh, okay, it's pretty dark back there. We're going to get some lights put in, by the way, so you guys can't be so anonymous. for uh, Kathy McKinley, or prayers for Kathy McKinley's friend, uh, family, um, Tom Patton, passed away suddenly. Okay. Yes, there's someone else over here. So pray for the family of Marianne McGuire, um, who was tragically murdered, and there's a lot of chaos happening in her family right now. So keep them lifted up. And this was a coworker, of course, at the yeah, hospital. She just retired. And yeah. She had just a light. She was an uh, absolute light. Yeah. We're sorry. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Becky. Okay. Anybody else? Because it's um, prayer is one of the key aspects of being part of the body of Christ. All right, we're going to go ahead and, and pray then, if you don't mind. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, as we gather before your throne, there is a, there is a sense of hope that we could never capture without knowing that you are King of kings and that you are Lord of lords and that you're sovereign oversight over everything that is happening here on earth gives us a lot of consolation, Lord, because we know that prayers get answered. We know that in the midst of our struggles, your spirit comes to help and comfort, and that people rally around with their prayers. And we want to just lift up all the names of the people that we have just mentioned, and just ask for those who are grieving right now, that you would give them comfort and help them in their distress, as so many right now are having to um, uh, let go of loved ones in ways that uh, can be uh, just really dark. And I just ask, Father, that you would be there for them and for your people. And I pray, Father, for just all of the concerns that we've mentioned as well, health-wise, and uh, grateful for answered prayer on behalf of um, the people that we've been lifting up. Uh, thank you for being with Rob, and thank you uh, for being with uh, Rachel and just helping us as we've uh, experienced um, just a, a pretty interesting moment. And we're encouraged by seeing 
lives affected and transformed and, and healed through prayer. Uh, so we keep them lifted up and we pray for uh, just that, um, that, that, that Paul that is over uh, our community with the loss of all of these lives. And ask, Father, for your help today to be uh, open to hearing your voice as you speak to us in our time in the Word, and you speak to us through the lives of the people around us. And you help us, Father, as a body to be one, as your son prayed that we would be one. We pray for your blessing upon the uh, Lent devotional and everything that uh, it, 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 it directs us towards, the things that it, it sparks in our minds and our spiritual imagination that help us to be rooted and grounded in the reality of your kingdom, in our identity in Christ, and just helping us to be who we are as a church. We also pray for Peg, especially as she is going through um, a long struggle, Lord. I pray that as our great physician, your touch will be upon her and that you would heal her and make her whole. We ask, Father, that you would bear fruit through this body as we seek to be who we're supposed to be for the world that uh, you see is broken and you recognize that um, this is a moment for your kingdom to be broadcast in ways perhaps that um, we've never been able to do that. And we pray that we'd be found faithful in the things that we have been instructed in and we'd be active on them. And so help us, Father, to just live in these realities and to be a voice for the world with good news that Jesus is Lord. And so, Lord Jesus, we open our hearts we surrender our lives to you. We pray that you would fill us with your presence and enable us to hear your voice today. Help me as I proclaim your word that it would be done in a way that is in concert with your will and your purpose. And we thank you, Lord. As we pray these things, Father, help us to pray with, with fresh intent uh, the Lord's prayer as we've been learning it once again. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Did you notice I didn't forget anything this time? <laughs> kind of a little bit of an inside joke, but uh, I did forget to put forgive us our debts in the Lent devotional. So we've been working on forgiveness, starting with you forgiving me. And I figured if you've forgiven me, then uh, we're all able to forgive. So that's, um, that's really what we're pivoting away from this morning as uh, we're pushing the pause button on the book of Luke and all the stuff that Jesus has said about the kingdom and what it means to be people who live in the domain of the lordship of Christ. And we're looking at um, these scriptures that actually fit that pretty well also. Uh, and the last two weeks, we've talked about the Lord's Prayer, and hopefully that's opened your eyes once again to the significance of that prayer. And then this week, we're going to be going through our Lent devotional, looking at um, a, a very unique passage of scripture. Uh, it is the scripture that whenever people who started the Christian church, this is the kind of church that we're in right now, uh, back in the 1830s and 1840s, on the western frontier, which was Ohio, 
they were saying, how can we be a church that's just centered on the Bible only? Uh, why, why would they even ask that question? Because they came from a place in Europe where people were fighting, politics were heavy, Christians were persecuting Christians, and the whole thing had just gone off the rails. And a lot of people came here and they just said, we're tired of that, and we want to be a part of a new opportunity. But we need a church that can embody those things that we hope to embrace, we hope to embrace when we came here. And so people put their heads together because, you know, you had an Episcopalian here and an Anglican there and a Lutheran living on that farm over there, and you had a Congregationalist over there, and they're like, we don't have a church. I mean, it's the Western frontier. There's no, there's nothing. And they started coming together, and some of them said, let's just do it. Let's just pick up the Bible and let's just read what it says in a fresh way. Now, I know that's easier said than done. But when we come to the verses that we're going to be looking at, these verses jumped out for those people in a way that just caught fire. And it, it, it was the design of this gathering that captured their imaginations in such a way that they thought, can we do that again? And so we're going to look at these verses. They're in Acts chapter 2, and a lot of things have happened. Jesus told the disciples, I'm getting ready to go be seated on the throne. The Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. Peter preached a guns a-blazing sermon. And then people responded en masse because they're like, that's the thing we've been waiting for. And that new reality of what just happened on the cross and the empty tomb and the ascension and the people that received the Holy Spirit that was an epic game changer. And so when they gathered for worship, we read these verses that describe what they did. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. And um, uh, let's go back to the, the verse, hopefully we can find it, where it says they devoted. That one. Notice that they devoted, devoted it's, all, it's in all caps. You know what happens when somebody writes something in all caps? Maybe if you're younger and you get a text that's all caps, what are you saying? You're shouting at me. Now, I know some older people that print in all caps because they just forgot that that was the button that they needed to press. But the fact of the matter is, this is a shout. This is a shout. They devoted themselves. And that's an interesting word that we're going to look at for a second in just a minute. But I want you to pay attention to these four things that they devoted themselves to. The apostles' teaching, because they didn't have the Bible like we have it. They didn't have Paul's writings to the church at Corinth because there was no church. Matter of fact, there was no church anywhere really except for what's getting ready to happen right here. So they just had what the apostles were saying, and they said, we're going we're gonna to listen to that, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, the Lord's table, and to prayer. And they said, the Spirit is telling us, we got to read the Word, we got to listen to the Word, we got to do this thing together, and we have to center it around what Jesus did in the upper room before he died, the breaking of the bread. And then, of course, 
we cannot have a gathering without a prayer. Well, let's just look at that word devoted in the dictionary. Here's what it says. A religious worship or observance. That's pretty inspiring, isn't it? Now, I, I, I really felt like, well, yeah, yes, of course. But I don't think that captures what's going on here. There, there's another definition that I thought was a little helpful, a little more helpful, and that is love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. That, that could be devotion. And by the way, can anybody, when you open up a dictionary and you see those things in brackets below the word devotion, does anybody know how to read that? I sure don't, but I've always wondered what that meant. But somehow it's a language, kind of like what you see on railroad cars when they're going by on the tracks while you're waiting. I don't know what it says, but it must be important. But that's not the point here. The point is there's something about love, loyalty, and enthusiasm that summarizes what was going on in the hearts and minds of these people. And I looked for some more dictionary entries. And if you guys know me well enough, you know I make stuff up sometimes too. So I made up my own dictionary entry. And this is, what I, this is what I, how I read devotion. They were on fire. <laughs> and I put some flames in the word, you know, just sort of had some fun with it. But that's what I see going on here. These guys were just super stoked about what just happened. They were excited. I mean, this was definitely an epic game changer, what Jesus did. I mean, it was unprecedented historically. I mean, how often does the DNA of God come down in the form of the Spirit and conceive of a child with the DNA of a woman who is from Adam, and then out of that womb comes humanity 2.0, the better version of our humanity, because that version actually has God's DNA in it. And that's what we find in Jesus. And Jesus did the very thing that none of us could do, and now these guys are experiencing the effect of it. They're excited. They're loving. They're loyal. They are enthusiasm. They are on fire. Can you guys say that with me? On fire. That's pretty good. I, I'm impressed. I think there's hope for us, guys. So let's, uh, let's figure out what that devotion was all about. So, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And then I like this last part, because it is sort of like the result. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there was something about what they were doing that was very pleasing to God. 
so much so that he was drawing people in, hearts and minds. He was stirring hearts up. He was using the pain of the moment to direct them to the promise of what these guys are up to. And these guys were getting it right. That's the important thing. You know, Jesus came and he, he identified the fact that the people that were supposed to be enjoying the blessings of God were kind of stuck. The poor people, the less empowered people, the less socially up there people, they were shut out. And the people that Jesus saw who were representative of the religious establishment, they were up to something that had nothing to do with what God had basically instructed them to do in the scripture. And so he's very distraught by what he finds, and three years of gospel writings are consolidated into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John describing that. And one of the things that he was upset about was the fact that the religious people of all people were hypocrites. That is, they weren't who they said they should be. And if there's ever a moment where God is saying, I don't want my church to be the people that they shouldn't be. I want you to be real. I want you to be in tune with what I set out a long time ago to do, and I want you to pay careful attention. And I think a COVID timeout hopefully did that for many of us. And we're coming here and we're asking the question, God, what do we need to do? Who do we need to be? And I think if we answer that question well, God will add to our number, but he'll also add to our character. He'll add to the quality of who we are as a church. Because like anything, after a while, it can get a little bit off track. And so we're going to look at these verses and we're going to see how well we're on track. And so just going back for a second to uh, what this is all about as we zoom out, there's a main idea that I, I want you guys to capture. And that is this. In these verses, Acts 2, 42 through 47, the people that started the Christian church and, and other churches in the past, it's a defining moment in Scripture. It is a reflection of the kind of community that results from prayers that ask for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That sound familiar? You know, what is happening up there? Help that to happen here. And God says, I will if you're willing. It's not going to happen unless we are willing because the only route that that occurs is through the lives of the people that pray that in earnest. So it's an epic moment because they prayed it, and we read about that earlier in Acts 2. But here's something else that I want you to remember about this main idea. These verses describe what it means to be a healthy church. And so every once in a while, we have to go back and we've got to say, Lord, we are a church together. I mean, that is part of it, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to claim your salvation and come together for worship and stuff, but there's something about what we are called to do together and the effect that that has on the world around us that is very important in the mind and the heart of God. And so what does it mean to do church together in a healthy way? Well, if you look at the qualities of a healthy church, these would include worship gatherings that prioritize 
I know you were probably thinking apostles' doctrine. Well, yes, for sure. And I could have just put prioritized teaching the apostles' doctrine, which we, no question, the more we are in tune with that, the more the lifeblood of Jesus flows through uh, our church. But here's the other side of any conversation. And my wife reminds me this on a pretty regular basis with this phrase, you aren't listening to me. And I keep thinking I was, and then she'll bring up something, and I'm like, oh, maybe I wasn't that well. I, the dog wanted out right when you said that. And so usually I've got a convenient excuse, but that's all it is. Because if you love someone, which I do, by the way, um, you listen to them. And you not only hear what they say, you hear what they mean when they say what they say. And when we hear the scriptures, the goal is perhaps when I'm uh, preaching or Rich is teaching or other people are teaching, um, you're hearing what was intended to be heard. And so we're really accountable for that. I, I take that very seriously. And when we listen to the scriptures, something comes alive in a way that I can't describe. I've, I've been blessed with a lot of education, and I've been cursed with a dad who said, don't you ever go get an education and become an educated idiot. So I've tried just not to be an egghead about this. I've tried to be pretty ground level. And so whatever I've learned, all I know is I, I've got more to learn. But the things I do know is having read a lot, there is nothing that I've ever read that speaks to me like the Scripture. I just, there is something, there's a, there's a layer to that that comes alive that changes our soul. And these guys knew it, and so they, they paid attention to it. And the next thing they had was fellowship. Now, what do you imagine when you read that word fellowship? Gatherings in the social hall, shooting the breeze, having some good conversation in a class or a group. But for these guys, it had a few more layers deeper. Like it meant, Susie said, my car is broken. And myself or somebody said, hey, I know how to fix that. Or another person says, I have a hot water heater that's just not functioning. And I'm having a hard time getting help. And somebody else in the church says, I will help you with that. Or somebody has some kind of financial need because they're pressed up against the wall and we're watching out for one another and helping with that. There's something about being somewhat more engaged with other people's lives that's being, that, that, that's being uh, uh, painted here in this word, fellowship. It was, it was a little bit of a in your business, but in the best way possible. And that's how a church has to be. And the struggle that we have is we're a consumer culture that says, come into church, hopefully it's entertaining enough to keep your attention, Hopefully, you'll be back next week. I get that appeal that we have and that need to try to create that sort of space for your eyeballs to hook onto. But that's just a starting place. If we are not moving into a place where we are meeting in groups, where we can have a little bit more intimacy as far as conversation goes that this kind of venue doesn't create, that's fellowship. Fellowship. And I've seen it happen 
And I love it when it happens. And I'd love to see more of that kind of stuff happen, not only in this corporate gathering, in the prom that Rachel's going to be giving a sermon about at the end of my sermon, um, all the cool stuff that we're trying to do fellowship-wise, but also in the day in and day out, texting, phone messages, emails, conversations, coming alongside, on and on and on. Then there's breaking of bread. And the early church people in our movement in the early 1830s and 40s and stuff, did you know that one of the experiences that they had at that time was if you came to church, somebody had actually probably paid, paid for their pew. I mean, so Rachel's sitting in that pew. <clears throat> her and Brent gave the church money, and that's their pew. I come in. I'm a newcomer. I sit in her pew. Rachel's like, out of my pew. <laughs> okay. Or... <clears throat> You go to take the Lord's Supper, and you have to have a token. If you don't have a token, you can't take it. So a lot of people are like, but I don't see a token in the Bible. But they're like, yeah, but well, it's sort of complicated. You know, people are taking it who aren't supposed to be taking it, and we have this system. We put it into place. And people are like, you don't need no stinking token. You need a heart that is humble. But is willing to listen to a Savior who came into our situation and all of its messiness from a place that wasn't messy at all and said, I'm, I'm here for you in ways that you can't even comprehend as we eat this meal, but you will. And so when we take it, we are humbled, no doubt. And when those guys gathered in the early days, they said, we need to do that, but we have to keep reminding people. Your heart's got to be in a good place at this table. It doesn't have to be in a perfect place, but you've got to take it with at least some recognition that Jesus is going to show up in this moment, which I believe he does. But a lot of churches, they'll just do it once a quarter or once whenever with the thought that, well, if we do it every Sunday, you'll sort of, it'll devalue it. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you. I think you could for sure. I think you could fall into a rut and just be on autopilot. But church really isn't about autopilot because God is doing something new every day. And he's saying, pay attention. Are you listening to me? Not God, not me, yeah. But me too. Finally, prayer, because he listens to us and we listen to him through that. And we were talking about gatherings as far as serving opportunities, getting people together for serving teams. And we kind of put together how we do that. And this is the way I've always done it. When I think about how we can serve, I think about the vision of what the need is and then how we can sort of define that as far as how we put people together towards that. And then there's, there's the, the people that you gather. You know, you, you, you have collaboration with other people. And then you get together in a room and you start making plans and goals so then that third aspect is we're going we're gonna to plan and set goals, and then we have to have resources from the church to go into it. And then on some kind of timeline, we, we start to think about the execution of all the planning and vision and goals and things like that. And we kind of lay that out so everybody knows that this is kind of how you do something in a way that makes it work, and God can work through that process. <laughs> then I forgot. You can't do any of that stuff at all without preparing your heart. 
And I learned that the hard way. I've done a lot of things as a pastor without preparing my heart. And then I'm wondering, God, why didn't that work? Because I sort of tacked on a prayer at the end. I've learned my lessons. I just don't really do much of anything as a pastor without preparing my heart. And in some cases, God's got a lot of work to do when he's seeing me do that. But most of the time, his grace flows through that in a way that I can't even imagine. I mean, when I put the Lent Guide together, there's stuff that flowed together and weighs on that thing that I'm like, wow, I can't believe I put that together like that. But it really wasn't me. I prayed and I asked God, Lord, help me to say something in my writing that's it's a gift, I think, in a way that builds up the body here. And it was amazing. You know, I, I, I do not know how he does it other than when we ask, something amazing happens. These guys prayed before they gathered in this meeting, and this is what God did when everybody showed up. So every Sunday when the Christian church gathers, we have the scripture, we have fellowship, we have the breaking of bread, and we have prayer. Everything else really is just, how do we want to accessorize that based on where we are in this moment in AD 2022, March, March the day before Peg's birthday day, right? <laughs> but there's another aspect of the healthy church that I, I want to include here. And that is, um, as you're looking at this, I want you to see uh, this graphic real quickly. There's something about those four that you can't have one without the other. You can have fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer, but if you don't center that in the word of God, it's going to become something different. We're going to kind of bring our own idea of what that should mean. I mean, I, if Brittany, bless her heart, because when Brian and Brittany and I meet for a staff meeting, there's at least two to five minutes we're talking about Mopars. If you don't know what a Mopar is, it's a Dodge, Challenger, Charger, any muscle car. We talk about that stuff. And she's over there just kind of glazed over. And I'm like, Brittany, we're having fellowship here. This is Christian stuff. She's over there praying. So at least she's got two things going where, you know, we're still pulling together. But you take fellowship out of the equation, and you just have straight teaching, breaking the bread, and prayer. I think you have a church service in some cases where, well, we came, we did our duty, we left. And if a church is happening, a church experience is happening with no fellowship, it's not a church experience, at least in the, fullest, in the way that God designed it. So if we're not in fellowship, we have to work on ways to get into fellowship. And maybe you're like me. I, I came to the Lord, started reading my Bible, and I'm thinking, oh, I got to go to church. This is 1982. None of my friends went to church. I got to cut my hair. I got to get better jeans that don't have holes in them. I got to, I don't know. I don't know what I got to do. I'm scared. Thankfully, the people that I've plugged into knew fellowship well. And they just said, this is 
an organization that is very open to having new people join that the Lord brings our way. And there's something about being involved in those other elements together with fellowship that is so powerful because if you are doing the other three and not fellowship, chances are you're going to come here for a while or any church for a while and you're going to be isolated. Has anybody ever experienced isolation before? Come on. Uh, 18 months of isolation of some form. Do you like it? Do you want to go back? Do you think new believers like it? No. We just don't do well by design. Well, I could go on about breaking the bread and prayer. Otherwise, uh, um, you know, if you look at uh, the Lent devotional, we kind of cover this stuff in a lot of detail. But just keep in mind for the sake of our sermon time, you got to have these four. Our early predecessors said you got to have these four. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a young guy by comparison coming up, you know, doing church in a pretty wild time. And I've always believed you got to have those four. Those have just been non-negotiables for me. But as God is doing that, he's saying when you do that four, which are all linked together, this is, a, this is what happens. So we read in the continuation, they saw the miraculous things happening. They saw God doing stuff. And they recognized that the ground level in the everyday, God was orchestrating stuff so that his imprint upon our daily life and its rhythm and our comings and goings was clearly seen. And I love talking to you guys after church or before because you'll tell me how God did something in your life in a way that um, I'm just blown away. And I would call that God's orchestration. Sometimes that happens and we're just sort of like not connecting the dots, recognizing that he's doing something whether we realize it or not. And we use the word God's sovereign oversight because I, I think you know, God gives us free will, but he's like the master chess player we do a move, and he, he lets us do the move, but he is so good. He has a way of doing counter moves that work that in those circumstances where he always comes out ahead. It's just amazing. And as he does that, he's saying, in the course of your day, pay attention to how I'm moving. And when you do, you see his orchestrations. Your eyes are open. You get that phone call or that, guy, that, that nudge from somewhere that says, hey, 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 what about this? Hey, what about this? Or hey, you need to help this person out. Hey, 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 hey. Anybody, am I the only one? Anybody else get that? Okay, good. Well, that's part of a healthy church. The qualities of a healthy church also include that awareness of the needs of other people. And some of you are shy and you don't want to say what your needs are, but you should. Because we all, from time to time, have needs that are beyond our capacity to meet. There's not a person in this room that is in, that is in that place where someone can't help you out. But if you're like me, you have a hard time 
saying I have a need. And then you have a hard time receiving that thing when you get it. And maybe you need to work on that a little bit because God says I'm, I'm working in that and through that for my purposes. And then um, the, fifth, or the, the fourth thing is these guys had a sense of belonging. And I mentioned a desire to share, but that need to belong is powerful. I mean, I know I'm the pastor here, and I love showing up, being with you guys. Because I, I can't think of a gathering that I've been to, even if I'm at odds with somebody a little bit, that I've, I've felt a sense of belonging. And that's, that keeps you coming back. It's sort of the glue that says these people are about what they say they're about. You know, there's belonging to churches that you're at the church and they say all the right words, but the body language is, I don't have time for you. And I don't know exactly where we break down like that sometimes. But God is saying, we don't have time for you to not have time for people. Did you map that out in your head? I couldn't. But that sense of belonging is the glue that makes it work. And statistically, they say if you don't belong, this is just what they say in this industry called pastors talking about patterns in church, about 16 months, and then you'll move on. Because we are creatures by design that need to belong somehow. And I think that's pretty cool, and I hope we can foster that to the degree that the Lord finds very pleasing. Well, here's the, the last quality that emerges in the experience of these guys. They get together, and they say, we're on fire. <laughs> They're living under the domain of God's kingdom. The stuff that is happening outside of that domain is called the problems of the world that Jesus came to address. And a lot of us get too fixated on the problems of the world. We live in the world, no question. And there are problems in the world that we are called to help respond to and be challenged by. But in the end, Jesus said, you're not of this world. You're strangers. You're aliens. Actually, Peter said it in regard to what he learned from Jesus. You are strangers and aliens in the world. Don't get too comfortable here. This world is messed up. That's why I came. And until people come around to an understanding that the kingdoms that they're living in, whatever form they take, you know, the, 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 the domains that dictate how they live, how they think, what they can and can't do, when they identify that there is another kingdom with a capital K that Jesus brought that is a domain that tells us how we should think, how we can think, and how we can think healthily, what we can and can't do and should and shouldn't do, and how we can do those things healthily, in the strength and the power under the authority of Jesus Christ. Those guys were saying, we're living there, and there ain't no party like a resurrection party because a resurrection party never stops. That was pretty bad, wasn't it? But it was pretty good 
in terms of what it means for these guys. These guys were forever people. Now, let me tell you something else I've experienced, because I'm telling you a lot of stuff about myself, which your captive audience is being patient. There are times whenever I, I, I struggle with relating to people. It could be I'm just having a bad day, or it could be that I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm not, not in sync, or it could be that I have an issue with somebody. And you know what? I don't know if God prompted me to think this, but he just said, relax. You're going to be or meet or talk to forever people. People that you will be with forever. That's a little different sort of timeline, isn't it? Because it gives us a long time to work things out. gives us a long time to overlook our shortcomings or overlook other people's shortcomings. It actually frees us up to love, doesn't it? I mean, can you hate somebody for the rest of your eternal, immortal existence? Honestly. I don't think you can, especially if God's spirit is at work in here. I don't think you're allowed. Isn't that an awesome thought? We just look around. Tell the person next to you right now. John, you can look at, at, um, at Diane instead if you want. We'll be together forever, but she's still my girl. Yeah, okay. We'll be together forever. In a place that's not broken. What does that do to your psyche? Because we are told when we leave here, you're stuck here, it is broken, and there is no hope of it getting any better. At least that's what I take to mean from all the signals that I get from whatever source outside of the church is telling me about the state of the affairs of the world. It's broken and it's only going to get worse. But not in here. Not if Jesus is at the center of our worship. It's probably wise for whoever did the architecture here to put the pastor here and then to put Jesus up there. Because I'm just one part of the whole equation at First Christian Church. I am not the center. I'm just, I'm, I'm called to build you up. Sometimes we have to tear each other down in the God way, like you got to prune this. You got to call that out so that God can replace it with this and build you up here. And we have to be in tune with that. These guys were starting to get it. They didn't have a name. They didn't have a plaque out front. They didn't have anything except Jesus and what just happened and a call to be a part of it. And they were stoked. And for 2,000 years, that picture has continued to be passed on from generation to generation to generation, giving us a sense of who we're supposed to be as we gather together. So last, last thing I want to say as we end is when a church is healthy, the scripture says that they found favor with all people. 
not just church people, everybody. There's probably one word that if you took, you know, those circles that had apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, what was the last one? Prayer. You could just write love. There was a love that was greater than just the feeling. It was a love that says the love of the Lord is pulsating in my heart. And when people of the world saw that kind of love, Scripture says that, you know, there's 3,000 people added. It was such a deficit. They were so starved for it. They had been so disconnected from that kind of genuine love. They're like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. We never thought it would happen. And so people outside of the church said, those guys care. Those guys are here to do something for reasons that we don't understand, but they do it in such a way that it makes us feel valued, important, makes us feel somebody cares for reasons that have nothing to do with, well, what, what, can, what, can, what do you want from me? Have you ever given something to somebody who doesn't know Jesus something and they're like, you want something from me? Because people don't work under any other way except I give you something, you give me something. It is the way of the world. But Jesus says, I gave you everything you need, give it away. The end. And so non-believers saw that, and they're like, this is a set of rules that we are not familiar with. But we, in our being, know it's right. So when we are generous, when we are loving, when we are considerate, when we are listening, when we are paying attention, when we are kind, when we are aware, when we help with needs, when we pray for other people, when we do things out of a sincere intent to bring the well-being of God into their lives, and they see it just enough to know that we're credible, they start asking, who is this Jesus? And when they start asking, the scripture says, on the second part of this, God says, go to this church. Go to that church. Go to this place. They're waiting for you. I think that's pretty cool. And it's pretty simple. And it's pretty hard to ignore. And the whole design is to basically make us human beings again. In a way that recognizes the person in charge is Jesus. And he's able to supply every need. He's able to manage every problem and walk with us through it. He's able to rescue us from the very clutches of the evil one who says they're mine. There is nothing that he is not able to do. I don't know if that's good grammar or not, but you get the point. He is here for us. And he's here for you. And so if there's anyone in the room who is in a space where you don't know him, that's why we're here. 
is so that we can help you know him through our lives, through what we teach, and through the spirit that he gives us that enables us to know him personally. When we meet for Sunday gatherings, we see that probably most intimately with the cup and the loaf, the breaking of the bread. I'll just have one quick anecdote before I lead you into that space where we are observing the Lord's uh, Supper together. So if you have communion, just take and peel the top off. If you don't have fingernails, ask your next-door neighbor to peel it off for you. But either way, once we get there, it's the rich symbolism of what this means that counts. When Jesus rose from the dead and he was walking on the road to Emmaus with a couple other people, they were talking about all the stuff that happened in Jerusalem pertaining to his life. But they didn't recognize that it was Jesus walking alongside them, and they were pretty depressed. And they were just carrying on, and Jesus was explaining some things, but they didn't recognize him. And then they got to the place where they were getting ready to break bread together. And the scripture says, when they did it, their eyes were opened, and he was gone. Now, why did Luke say, when they broke bread their eyes were open, and he disappeared. It was because they were now seeing him in, in, in what you hold in your hands. They saw it. A bloodstained cross, a broken body, guilt and shame forever removed. The verdict is final. The curse has been lifted. The evil one has been defeated. And we were given a second chance. And that's just page one out of 500. God has given us this meal so that our very identity is remembered every week. And so let's just take a minute and let's ask God to help us to view these in a way where we see him. And we may be seeing him now in terms of asking for forgiveness or in terms of asking for help. Or healing. We may just be celebrating what he's done. And then we pause for a minute and we listen. And we ask, Lord, do you have anything that I need to hear from you? Let's pray and then we'll take it and then we'll get ready to close it out. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us your word which we feed on in our souls. Thank you for giving us this meal, which we feed on with our bodies and our whole being. It's a way of saying our faith is really not only deeply personal, but it is both physical and it is spiritual, it is mental, it is psychological. It is our whole being. Thank you, Lord, for what you've accomplished for us, for us as a church. Thank you for inviting us to this table. Help us to respect you and it as we take these things together and seek to hear your voice. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.
Thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Satisfied, Jesus, thank 
defining moment, right? We're doing prayer, we're doing fellowship, and we're doing the big S, service, which is part of our defining moment here at First Christian. So the first thing we want to talk about is the prom. I heard through a little grapevine that some people don't want to come because they don't have a date. Is that true? Because we can come, we're all brothers and sisters, right? If you don't have a date, you can still come. It's not like you have to have a partner to come. We're all together. We're all going to have a wonderful time, good food, good music, and just great fellowship, right? So please come. That should not hold you back. We do have dresses in the parlor open all this week, so you're able to go over. If you want to pick out a nice dress, you can do that and take it with you. So that will be open all week this week. Um, we're also still looking for servers. If you want to be a server, you need to sign up with me. You need to be here at 4 p.m., if you want to do cleanup only, it's here at 6 p.m., and you can sign up in the studio. The next thing that I want to uh, focus on a little bit now is uh, next month. We have our spring community banquet coming up, and it's a very important thing because it's almost like the Thanksgiving, so it's a big thing. We're opening up to the entire community to come in and eat for free. 
So we need a lot of help on that. So we've got a month here to prep ourselves. Um, we need to look for, we're starting to do donations for gift bags. Every person that comes into each is going to get a gift bag to take home. Inside that bag is going to be hygiene items, coloring books, crayons, pencil, paper, different things that just a gift from us to have. The hygiene items, toothpaste, toothbrushes, deodorant, soap, shampoo, things like that will all be inside this bag. Inside the studio, we're going to have bins. From next Sunday on, you can bring in your items, donate them to start filling the bags. The youth with Matt Cutler and I are going to be filling the bags and getting them prepped. So start bringing in anything that you can think of. Anything you think of as a little gift. I mean, everybody likes, you know, notebooks, pens, paper, gum, candy, whatever you think, and we'll fill the bags up for them. Um, we're taking monetary donations also, obviously, for the food. So if you want to monetarily give, just put on the outside of the envelope for banquet. So Brittany knows where to put it in our lines of financial communication. Service cleanup, food prep, and greeters are also needed for that day. So I'll be in the studio again. Please sign up for what you want to do. And I know we're all just going to rush in there and see me. I said I'm going to start pulling you out. I'm going to start grabbing you out of the aisle. So I'll, I'll move the... I'll move the table closer to the door today. Okay, each week it'll go, and then I'll, pretty soon I'll be in the hallway. And I'll be saying, come on, so let's get in there, let's sign up, let's do what God wants us to do, right? We're learning it in the Bible, we know what he wants us to do, so now we just got to take that step out, get out of our comfort zone a little bit, and let's get going. I love you all. I'll see you over in the studio because I know that's where you'll be. just seeing how long I could keep you here. No, that's it. All right, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see.